From 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, you want to go ahead and be turning in your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I want to share something with you real quick that I didn't have any intentions of sharing until the rock altar this morning. It's amazing what that right did, what the children singing and the band this morning, actually the worship team, not our band, the worship team did an amazing job, I felt like just ushering in the spirit of being real, the children come in, it's just real. It's just doing what's real. I was down this morning at the, at the rock altar and was just praying a little bit. And it was quiet. You know how those cool mornings are just like sound travels forever sometimes? So I could hear, pretty sure it was the interstate. It was a constant hum of noise of the traffic. But I could easily hear Highway 27 and Highway 109 and Certainly, North Davis and, and here on Hammett Road, all the cars going by, it was noise. And I was trying to hear the birds. I was trying to hear the squirrels. I was just trying to hear, you know, the, the things that are peaceful. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody enjoy the outdoors? You just love to hear things. I don't hear well, so I, it's a challenge for me to hear birds. I have to listen for them. And I, was, I was trying to hear the things that God had created. And I realized I couldn't hear it because of the noise that man had created. And it just began to, to really settle in on me down there at the prayer altar this morning. That's my life. And you can say amen because I ain't the only one living that life. That the noise that man creates is so loud, a lot of times it's drowning out what God's trying to tell me. It's drowning out the relationship that I'm trying to have with the Father is drowning out the voice of things that God's trying to put in to be a blessing in my life. To, to you know, the, the the sounds of morning coming to life is just soothing. It's relaxing. Just hearing all of nature and all the things wake up. I love that. But I love when I get up in the mornings and I take God's word and I sit there studying and and reading and. Spending some time with God, and that, that's a quiet time, kind of like the world coming to life. But it just dawned on me, kind of like all the cars and everything that was stealing what I was trying to hear happens in my life all the time. Messages come up on your phone, something about ball games, Dale, Dale done threw it all out there, ball games. He, he, can't, he can't help it, man. We got the same teams. They're doing good. What can we say? So you're trying to focus on things of God, but noise begins to come in. Boy, if we could just cancel out the noise of the world, can you imagine how much calmer things would be? I mean, if we were out in the wilderness somewhere and, and all we could hear is just the sounds of nature and the sounds of, of the things that God created coming to life in the morning, think how peaceful that would be. It'd be the same thing here if we could just do away with the noise. And it's amazing because that's one of the things that, that we really will be focusing on this morning as we look at prayer. Prayer is a way to try to make the noise go away. Prayer is a way to try to establish a relationship, and through that relationship, God's voice can become louder than the noise so that we begin to hear the things of God over the things of the world. So if you have your Bibles open this morning, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 17, three simple words, pray without ceasing, 
pray without ceasing. The word pray simply means exactly what it says. It is to talk to God. It is to talk to the one true God. It has nothing to do with idols. It has nothing to do with false gods. When people say they're praying, they're talking to something else. No, they're not. True prayer is done to the one true God. It is to pray to God and it is to worship. And the word without ceasing in the English is actually one Greek word. It means without interruption. It's an adverb from a root word that means unintermitted, permanent, or continual in prayer. One line, three words, one message. Pray without ceasing. I want to bring a message this morning on moving the heart of God. God, thank you so much. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for grace and mercy untold for a love in spite of us, God, a love that is unexplainable. God, I thank you for your presence in the place. I thank you for the children, for the singing. God, I pray that you, you've received glory and honor from everything that's happened. But God, I pray now, would your sweet Holy Spirit move in? God, would you speak through your word, Lord? I pray for everybody here. May you touch the hearts and the lives of all of us present, God, for all out on live stream. I pray, God, you'd speak your word into us, God. I pray that you'd silence the noise of the world right now. God, I pray you'd silence cell phones or Facebook or anything that may interrupt in somebody's heart and life right now, God. I pray you'd silence all the noise that your Holy Spirit may speak to us this morning and help us, God, to learn something about you, that we might walk out and be a better servant than we were when we come in. We love you, Father. We trust you. We thank you. We praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. I wonder how many of us in here as a testimony, just raise our hand and say, I love God. He has been good to me. And, and I realize it may be because he first loved me. It may be because he paid the price for me. It may be because he saved me, but it doesn't matter what it's because. It's just a plain, simple fact. I love the Lord. I wonder how many of us really just want to live our life pleasing to God. I mean, when you got up this morning, your heart's desire was, God, I just want to please you today. It wasn't a question of whether or not I'm going to church today. That, that stuff's a settled issue. As for me and my house, that, that ought to be settled. That's never a question. But what about tomorrow morning? When you get up tomorrow morning, will you make sure that you get up in time to pray? Before all of the noise starts, before breakfast or getting kids up and getting ready for school and, and getting off to work, and before all the noise of the world comes in, do we really want to be pleasing to God tomorrow? Do we want to be used by God in our workplace tomorrow? Used by God to make a difference in somebody's life. Who knows the magnitude of what God could do through just one? Somebody tomorrow lost and on their way to hell, God uses you, a living, breathing, walking, talking testimony to tell somebody about the love of Jesus Christ that they might be saved through your testimony. Somebody hurting, somebody broken, somebody needs a friend, somebody needs help, somebody's marriage in trouble, somebody's prodigal is gone, somebody suffering through a sickness that God could use you to make a difference. Is it our heart's desire every single morning when we get out of bed, God, I just want to be used by you today. I just want my life to be pleasing to you 
today. My will doesn't matter. My choices don't matter. Nothing that I have in mind, nothing on my schedule is so that I can't change it. If you give me something to do for your glory and honor, that is for your kingdom, I have nothing that I can't put off. If that's what you want done today, I want this day to be pleasing to you and nothing else matters to me. I wonder if anybody would say, I want to be like that. I, I want to be that way. I want my life to be pleasing to God, everything that I do. Well, if we're going to be pleasing to God, it has to start with our relationship with God. I mean, how, how can we be pleasing to God? I know the things I think. I know the things I do. I, I wonder how could God even love me, much less how could I be pleasing to God? So, well, first of all, obviously to be pleasing to God, we have to be saved. That's first and foremost, the world is not pleasing to God. But once we came to Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ, and we're saved, now we can start working on ple being pleasing to God. But it has to begin with the relationship. And a relationship requires communication. How many of you have a great relationship with somebody you ain't talked to in 20 years? They're still my friends. I mean, I, I, got, I got some people I ain't talked to in years and years, but I, I can't, be honest, I guess I probably can't even tell you that they're still alive. I don't know if they've been through COVID. I don't know if they've had car accidents. I don't know what happened. They, they were great friends to me growing up. As far as I'm concerned, they still are. I still love them. I, I wouldn't even mind seeing some of them again sometime. But, but I know nothing about them because I have no communications with them. How can I have a relationship with somebody that I never spend any time in communication with? The same thing is true between ourselves and our relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. How can we expect to have a great relationship if we spend no time in communication? Jesus is our greatest example. And one of the things that Jesus taught us is to pray. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, he spake a parable unto this, to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus is talking. He said, I say unto you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. See all the noise. Just block that out right there. Y'all thought, mm -mm, I ain't loving that one. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. What would be the main theme of the verse? Love, prayer. The example that Christ said, Romans chapter 12, verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. The word instant there means to, to be earnest towards or constantly diligent in prayer. What's the main theme of the verse? Prayer. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Perseverance is persistence. Supplication is an earnest request. So what's the main theme? Prayer. Philippians chapter 4, be careful for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication. We have those words again. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. What's the main theme? Prayer. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2, continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving. What's the theme? 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1, I exhort therefore, exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, 
prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Actually, a repetitive verse on prayer. Supplication is prayer. Intercession is prayer. Giving thanks is through prayer. Prayer is simply an act of obedience. It is doing the things that God tells us to do. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What does the verse tell us to do? Pray. He says, I've given you access to the Holy of Holies. I have rent the veil in twain at Calvary's cross. I have given you the ability to come into the Holy of Holies to the mercy seat of God where there's grace and mercy and forgiveness and bring all your needs and all your requests. Leave all the noise outside. I've opened the throne room that you can come in anytime you want. We know that Jesus prayed at all times. If you've read the Gospels, if you've read the life of Christ, if you've read in the New Testament, you know that Jesus prayed all the time. Jesus being our perfect example, he taught us how we ought to live our lives. There is never a time, there is never a place, never a circumstance, never a situation, that there is never a, a time at all of any kind when prayer is not available in our lives. I said it last week, COVID stole some things from us. COVID took some things that can't be gotten back. COVID cost us some weeks out of church last year. It cost some people their place in church that still haven't come back. It cost us some ministries recently when we couldn't do some things. It's costing us judgment journey right now. It cost us he's alive in 2020. Judgment journey is one more of the casualties, one of the things that we've lost in COVID. COVID has cost us some stuff, but nothing, nothing can take away prayer. During the worst, darkest days of COVID, while the church doors were closed, basically around the nation, if not around the world, nothing took away prayer. Prayer is always there. Psalm chapter 139, written by the hand of David, verse 7 and 8, says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I free from my, flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into the heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. No time, no trial, no situation that you're going in, no storm that you're walking through. It doesn't matter. If, if you're walking in the fire, prayer is available and God is with you. If you're in the lion's den, prayer is available and God is with you. There is never a time when we can't have prayer. The only thing that can separate a child of God from God and communication through prayer is that person's lack of desire to talk to God. That person's lack of desire to have a relationship with the Father. The only thing that can cost you prayer is you. The only thing that can cost me prayer is me. The only thing that can interfere and rob me of my relationship with God himself is me. So Jesus shows us that there's never a time and never a place that we shouldn't pray, but he shows us the necessity of prayer. When Jesus began his 
earthly ministry. He went to the Jordan River where John the Baptist was baptizing. He was baptized there. Then he separated himself into the wilderness. The Bible says that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights before beginning his ministry on this earth, before you begin to attempt anything for God. If God gives you something to do and you know it, don't think you can go into it without prayer and supplication, without prayer and fasting before you ever go in. That's what Jesus did. Mark chapter 1, Jesus performed a multitude of miracles. Verse 33, the city was gathered together at the door. He healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. But in verse 35, it says that in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Luke chapter 5, Jesus has healed a man of leprosy. The Bible says in verse 16 that he withdrew, withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Chapter 6 of the book of Luke, the Pharisees have brought a man into the synagogue where Jesus is and they brought this man with a withered hand because they want to tempt Jesus. They want to see, will he indeed what they call break the Sabbath? Will he heal this man on the Sabbath day? Jesus said, I'll ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good? Or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it. Now, after that, the Jesus told Jesus told the man to stretch forth thy hand. It was stretched forth, and now the Pharisees are irate. They're, they're looking, we got to do something about this man, Jesus. How, how can we get rid of him? But in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer. Mark chapter 6, still. Jesus fed the 5,000, you know the story, 5,000 men plus women and children, five little biscuits and two small fishes, five barley loaves, what the Bible calls them, two little small fishes. He's fed the multitude, but Mark 6, verse 45 says, straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before Bethsaida while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is on his way to Calvary's cross. He's met up in the upper room with the disciples. He's been there. He's broke the bread, and he's had the wine. He said, this is my body. This is my blood. Eat, drink. And he shared with them what's about to happen. And now he takes some, and he goes back out to a place called Gethsemane. The Bible says in Matthew 26, 36, Then cometh Jesus unto them in a place called Gethsemane, and he said unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. Jesus Christ. How many of you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, born of a virgin named Mary, and came so that our sins could be saved, came so that you and I might have life? How many of you believe that he is Emmanuel, God with us, according to what the Scripture says? How many of you believe that he is God incarnate? He's just as much God as if he was never man, and just as much man as if he were never God. But he came here with a purpose. He took on the form of a human body. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He not only paid so that you and I can be saved, but he taught us how we ought to live. Boy, I might have lost somebody right there. I said he not only came so that you and I can be saved, but he came so that you and I might know how we are to live in this life. He gave us a, a perfect example. So Jesus prayed, one, to teach us to pray. Jesus taught us many times of the necessity of prayer. And like any good leader, he led by example. Matthew chapter 19, verse 13, they were brought unto him little children that he should put forth his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. 
the disciples are like, no, get these kids out of here. Take, take the children away. Jesus is too important for this. You, you can't be gathering a bunch of kids around Jesus. He, he's got things to do, but Jesus said, Matthew 19, 14, suffer the little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of God. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. In the Gospel of Mark, it says he laid his hands on it. It says that he blessed them there. He, he prayed for them. Jesus shows us that that is exactly how the Father is with you and I. We're to come to him as little children, and he is always excited to see you. He is always waiting with open, welcome arms for you to come sit down and talk. Luke chapter 11, Jesus taught through parables. He taught the importance of, of not just pray, but pray and never give up. Pray and never give up. Pray and never give up. Tell you what, before I read this, let's just establish a common ground real quick. I want you to listen to me. I want you to raise your hand just yet. How many of you have a situation in your life that needs prayer? How many of you have a situation? You don't have to raise them yet. I'm, I'm going to give you a lot of options. How many of you have a situation in your life that you've been praying about? How many of you have a situation that you've been praying and praying and like no answer has come? How many of you have a situation that you prayed and no answer came and you really don't even pray about it anymore? How many of you have something in your life that you need for God to show up? You need for God to intervene. And, and the only way to access that is through prayer. You need God to show up in something in your life. Now you can raise your hand. Luke chapter 11, verse 5, in this parable, he said unto him, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. <laughs> a friend of mine in his journey come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And from within he shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut and my children are in bed with me. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, answer that and tell him I said hello. <laughs> tell him Jesus loves him. Because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary defines importunity as pressing solicitation, an urgent request, application for claim or favor, which is urged with troublesome frequency. Then it gives this example. It says, men are sometimes overcome by the importunity of their wives or children. Man, we can understand that one. Some of you call it nagging, but that's your words. I'm using importunity. Your, your wife comes, something you need to do, something she wants, something going on, and eventually because of importunity, finally just yes, yes. Whatever, yes. You know, with kids, you get away a little bit better. I ain't going to say no again. You don't, you don't want to ask me that again. That don't work out too well. You're wise. You don't be no dinner for a while. But because of importunity, she didn't give up. Whoever it was, whatever it was, didn't give up. They, they just kept coming. He said because of importunity, the man got up and said, hey, take as many loaves as you need. Just go on. I'm trying to go to bed. 
Jesus taught us to pray. Jesus taught us to pray at all times and come to the Father as little children. But he said, if the Father has not answered you yet, why aren't you still praying? If God has told you no, then no is an answer. And if God said no, leave it alone. It's like Paul's thorn in the flesh, leave it alone. God said no, but if God hasn't told you no, and God has not answered your prayer, then why aren't you still praying? Why aren't you still talking to God? That's what he said because of importunity. He says, just keep on knocking. Keep on coming to the door. Keep on coming to the throne room. We know that Jesus knows things from God's point of view, right? You just raised your hand and said he's just as much God as if he were never man. He's just as much man as if he were never God. So we know that he knows things from God's point of view. And Jesus, in order to stay in perfect harmony as God, as man, to stay in perfect harmony with the Father, Jesus prayed. Throughout the Word of God, you will never find the Trinity not together as one. You will always find the Trinity together. You will always find them in communion, and you will always find them in agreement. In the beginning, God created, but it was the Spirit that moved. There, there's always talking. God said, Genesis 1:26, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Those are plural words. The word our it is a word, it's an adjective, it means more than one. Our is myself and some others. The word us is used as a pronoun. It means myself and at least one other. So we have the Trinity working together. We have the Trinity in complete communion there, in complete agreement, in complete conversation. When Jesus left heaven to come here, that didn't break the conversation. That didn't break the communion between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It continued to be an avenue, an access of communication through prayer. They are in com complete harmony together. You, you can't be close to somebody that you have no communications with. Jesus didn't come down here to, to build some distance between him and the Father. And the Father didn't send him down here to get some distance, get away from the Son. The Father sent him down here with a purpose. It was to save somebody like me, to get me out of hell, so that I don't have to go to hell, to give me eternal life, so that all my sins might be forgiven. He came with a purpose, but not for separation. So they stayed together through prayer. Prayer is not just asking God for things. Prayer is an open line of communication. It, it is a, a relationship issue. It, it is so that we don't drift apart. All prayer isn't done in the closet. Sometimes I wonder today if hardly any prayer is still done in the closet when I look at what's going on in the world. But all prayer is not done in your prayer closet or wherever your place is. All prayer is not at the rock altar or at a prayer meeting. All prayer is not done. Well, I ain't going to say it's not. All prayer is not supposed to be done while you're driving to work. Well, you're driving in this town. It's a great time to pray. I will justify that. I will agree with that 100%. But that's not the only time you ought to pray. We should, we should have established the prayer when we got up. 
We should have established prayer before we left the house. Now that we're driving, it's just a continued communication. When we get to work, if we're going to put up with the people we got to deal with all day, and we're going to do it that people see Christ in us, it is a communication that must continue to be extended, brought down. We must keep that relationship open so that Christ can be Christ in us. It is a daily relationship. It's not just a spot, a one-time prayer, but it's an open line that we're to talk to the Father all day long. Prayer is not just our request. It's not just our five-minute spot in the morning to hand in our Christmas list. It's not just a time we get to stop and remind God of all the things I ask you for. It, it is a time to talk with God all throughout the day, no matter what's going on in our lives. Prayer is just communication. So we raised our hand. We said we wanted to be used by God. How many of you in here, Lord, I hope nobody raises their hand. If you do, we need to talk right after church. How many of you in here think that God needs you to do anything? You think that God needs you to accomplish anything? He can't do it without you. Well, at least we're all on the same page. Yet, as crazy as it is, God has ordained prayer as the means by which things happen. God does not heal the sick. Unless somebody prays and asks him to. What? God is not going to take care of your situation. God doesn't move into problems. God doesn't intervene in, in different situations at all. Unless somebody prays and asks him to. God doesn't even say, Jesus Christ came, paid the sin debt, the gift is free. God will not even save one lost sinner. Unless that sinner comes to him through prayer, and ask to be saved. Communication is just an open line. It is the avenue that God himself has designed for his will to be accomplished through the prayers of men. It is the prayers of men that moves the heart of God. I, I know this is repetitive. I've said it before, but I'm sorry it fits right here, so I'm going to use it again. How many of us has ever been awakened in the middle of the night you look at the clock and think, what in the world? And then you realize God's speaking to you. God woke you up. And here's what he did. He woke you up and told you to pray. But sometimes, many times, God wakes you up and he tells you to pray for someone. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Pray for someone. Now, the automatic is right out the gate. We know something ain't good. So it's our nature. You want to run to Facebook, see if anything's posted or text. Them. Hey, man, what's going on? But it's 2.30 in the morning, so you can't. So you really, the only way you're going to get any sleep now is to pray for them, and then God will put you back to sleep. So you pray for them. You don't know why. God, I'm just asking you, Father, would you intervene in whatever it is? I don't know what's going on in their life, but you didn't wake me up for nothing. You wouldn't have woken me out of a rest without a call. So I know something's going on. Whatever it is, God, will you intervene in the situation, whether it be health, whether it be financial, whether it be life-threatening. God, maybe it's a car accident. I don't know what's going on. But I ask you right now to intervene on whatever it is. Move on them, Father. And in Jesus' name, I ask you those things, and you go back to sleep. But then you find out that there was something going on in their world that night. 
there was something extreme happening. There was an urgent situation, and God moved in and touched that situation and made a difference in their life. You know why? Because you asked him to. Isn't it crazy? God's the one that knows what's going on. You hear stories. I've heard it from missionaries a lot, brother, that, that something's going on here. One of them in particular, at 4 o'clock in the morning, he was off on a mission and was awakened to pray for his baby and come to find out later that his baby had basically died in the crib and something woke up the mother she went and got him and was able to revive it god woke somebody up isn't it amazing that god sees the situation he knows what's going on he's the only one that can fix it but he's not going to fix anything until he wakes somebody up and says you pray for them and then when you pray for them he answers your prayer and heals them doesn't that that, that doesn't that just blow your mind you know what's even crazier is on judgment day he's going to give you the reward He's going to reward you for praying for them when he's the one that woke you up and told you to do it in the first place. God is just, just looking for some people. Prayer is the line of, of communication that God has established to accomplish things here on this earth through the prayers of men. So Jesus taught us to pray. He taught us to keep the line of communication open always at all times. But he also taught us to fast. Fasting is a big deal today if you're dieting. That's not the fast. That has nothing to do with God's chosen fast. Intermittent fasting to lose weight, well, God bless you. I hope it works for you. That has nothing to do with godliness. Fasting is separating yourself, setting yourself apart to do something that, that you mean business with God. Fasting is nothing new. Jesus taught us to do it, but we see it all throughout the Old Testament. Samuel fasted and prayed. David, a man after God's own heart, the reason he had the power that he had, he fasted and prayed. Nehemiah was the Bible say. Well, he heard that things weren't good in the homeland, so he ran over, got a bunch of things done, and come on back home. No, the Bible says that he heard that things were bad in the homeland, and he fasted and prayed before he ever said anything to the king. And because he had fasted and prayed when he went to the king, the king saw the countenance on his face. The king asked the question. He didn't even have to bring it up. So now that he's fasted and prayed and the king has recognized that there's something going on and he wants to go back to the homeland and do, what does the Bible say that he did? That he fasted and prayed for a week. He already knew what he wanted. He already knew what he'd been fasting and praying about. And the king says, what is it that you need? The Bible says that he went away and he fasted and he prayed. Before he left to go over and begin to rebuild the walls, he fasted and he prayed. When he got there, he fasted and he prayed. It's all throughout the Old Testament. Esther, before she walked into the king's courtyard to deliver God's people from what? A decree that had been set up to kill all the Jews. She said, if I go in the king's courtyard without being called, I'm going to be killed. So she and Mordecai are sending messages, her uncle, back and forth. And they agreed to fast and to pray. It is the power of God. Daniel didn't just happen to sleep in a lion's den. He had spent time fasting before God. The prophet Joel spent time fasting. Moses spent time fasting. Forty days and forty nights, twice that we know of, Moses fasted. The book of Exodus, chapter 34, verse 27, the Lord said unto Moses, Write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words have I made a covenant with thee and with Israel. He was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He didn't either eat bread nor drink water. He wrote upon the, the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. It come to pass when Moses come down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of the testimony in Moses' hand, that when he come down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with them. 
Verse number 30 says that when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. They were afraid to come nigh to him. That's the man that had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and as a result, the power of God has shown up and got so close to him that his skin's glowing. Deuteronomy chapter 9 is telling the story. It says, When I was going up to the mount to receive the tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant which the Lord made with you, then I abode in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. I neither did eat bread nor drink water. So then when he's come down out of the mountain and, and the people, he, he saw that the people had had Aaron build that golden calf, and he was irate. He broke the tablets, but he crushed the golden calf. He crushed it into a powder and put it into the water, and he made the people drink the water where it was. But Deuteronomy 9.25 says, Thus I fell down before the Lord forty days and forty nights, as I fell down in the first, because the Lord had said he would destroy you. Jesus did it. I mentioned it a minute ago, before beginning his ministry, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights before beginning what the Father had given him to do. This is important. We're going to come back to this. Before beginning what the Father gave him to do, he fasted first. Anybody listening? Not during, first. Before he ever began the work. Jesus is baptized. Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 4, 1 and 2 says that Jesus was led up of the spirit of the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was after it and hungered. Matthew chapter 17, a man brought his demon-possessed son to the disciples, and they asked him to heal his son to cast out the demon. Later on, Jesus comes, and he brings him to Jesus. He says, Lord, would, would you cast this devil out of my son? I brought him to your disciples, and your disciples couldn't do it. Now, y'all do understand this is after they've been given power to cast out devils and to heal the sick. This is after they've been commissioned. This is after they've not been appointed but anointed. So, so they're supposed to have this power, and they couldn't cast them out. So they come to Jesus privately, and they said, Lord, why is it that we couldn't cast them out? Jesus said in Matthew 17, beginning in verse 20, because of your unbelief. Verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it? This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. I don't have time to get off and preach that right there, but you know they haven't been fasting because you already had that big debate between them and the disciples of John about not fasting, and Jesus gave them the story about not while the bridegroom's with them. But he says, this kind goeth out not but by prayer and fasting. So why do we fast? What could possibly be gained from fasting? Well, the fast isn't something that man decides to do. It's an opportunity that God's already given us. It's something that God has already put in the Word to, to create an intensity in our, in our relationship. It is God's chosen principle. You know, it almost seems strange in most churches today to even talk about it, to even mention fasting. I'll tell you, if you're one who prays often, you're one who prays in public, especially if you're one who fasts and prays, you're already labeled as a nut, so you might well go ahead and do it. You're, all, you're already some kind of fanatic, you're already one of them, you know, religious, woo, you, you're, you're a holy roller. So, so it, it's crazy. And, and that's not just in the world, that's in the church. If you're one of the few that fast and praise often in the church, you get labeled as one of them. Well, that was all free on a Sunday morning. 
Here in the New Testament times, fasting is a, it's a channel of power for the New Testament saints. But, but in today's world and in today's messages, it's hardly even mentioned, much less practiced. It's no wonder our nation's in the trouble that it's in. If the church isn't spending earnest amounts of time in prayer, and the children of God aren't spending time fasting and praying, it's no wonder. I mean, the, the church as a whole, the church as a whole, Christians as a whole, don't seem to be willing to sacrifice anything to get in touch with God. It's all about gimme, 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 gimme. God, I ask for, I ask for, I ask for, I ask for, I ask for. Where are you at? We, we don't seem to be willing to sacrifice anything to get in touch with God. It has to be all, God, what can you do for me? What can the church do for me? Well, no, the reality is, God, what can I do for you? And it means this much to me. I want to know how I can serve you. So if I have to fast and pray to get in touch with you, I'm going to fast and pray until you come talk to me. It may be a personal sacrifice, but a personal sacrifice in fasting is a sacrifice that gets the attention of God. It says it means this much to me. You have to fast with proper motives. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Fasting is to be done completely between you and God. It is something that we can do corporately. We'll look at it in a minute. But, but it's not something that we do publicly, that we announce to make sure that everybody knows what we're doing. If fasting has to be done completely unto God, and then God who sees in secret hears the prayer and rewards openly. Acts chapter 13, the apostles are about to be sent out to do the, the work of the Lord. Verse number 3 says, When they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Chapter 14, still in Acts, the Bible says that when they had appointed elders in every church, it says that when they had ordained them elders in every church, they had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. We, we see that the leaders here are, are consecrated into the offices with prayer and with fasting. There are absolutely no limits to what God can do with a church that is dedicated to prayer and to fasting. I said there are no limits in October of 2021 with hell on earth raining, babies being killed by the millions in America, homosexuality running rampant, sin left and right, can't turn on a television for the vulgarity that comes through in the commercials alone. I'm telling you that right now in October 2021, there are no limits to the mountains that, move, that can be moved by the power of God to a church that will invest itself in prayer and fasting and be serious with God. God's just looking for a church. The church ain't looking for God. God's just looking for somebody that's tired of the song and dance. God's just looking for a church that's tired of just making it about entertainment. It ain't about coming in. I appreciate our band. I appreciate their worship. It ain't about entertainment. It's about worship. We talked this morning. This ain't about entertaining. This ain't about a concert. This is about worshiping in one accord. There are no limits to what God can do in today's world 
through a church that is dedicated to prayer. Especially if that church will dedicate itself to fast and pray. When we're saved, we become the temple of the living God. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. The Holy Spirit begins to sweep things out, to try to mold us and shape us and make us into the image of Christ. But when we are truly filled with the Holy Spirit, we truly have God living in us and leading and guiding and directing our lives. There is a brokenness within us. Our will no longer matters. It's God, what do you want me to do? What will you have me to be? I just want to be pleasing to you. It's called humility. There becomes a humility about us that gladly surrenders to the will of the Father. Dr. McLaurin says, self-confidence shuts a man out from the help of God and so shuts him out of the source of God's power. Real prayer is simply the power of God through the broken hearts of men. I know I talk about 2 Chronicles 7, 14 a lot. And, and I know that it talks about my people and you and I as Christians, that if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, I will heal their land. I, I know I use that verse a lot, and I know it's true, but you can't just claim that verse. There's no one-liners in the Bible. The Bible is context from in the beginning to amen. You have to put it all together. So is 2 Chronicles 7, 14 true? Absolutely. But you got to put it with things like Joel chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him? God will answer prayers, but at the level of his holiness, not at the level of our religion. We have to meet God on his plane, not on ours. We have to come to where he plans to meet. He doesn't come into our world full of noise. God wants the noise canceled out. Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that over a broken heart, and save as such as be of a contrite spirit. Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, that will not despise. Isaiah 57, 15, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Isaiah 66, 2, For all these things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. The word contrite means to have a deep sorrow, a deep penitence for sin. It is how the child of God will be if he is living in a true oneness with God. It is the place where believers have to get to if God is going to do something great in and through our lives. We're commanded in order for God to use us to present our bodies a, a, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. We are to, to bring our bodies into the subjection of the Spirit that is brought into the perfect will of God. How many of you believe that God hears prayers? Not very many, according to the hands. How many of you believe that God not only hears, but He answers prayer? 
how many of you know that God wants more than just in your nine-minute drive to work? Oh, yeah, God, by the way, here's what I need. How many of you know that God requires more than that? God's looking for more than that. God is looking for a relationship like none other you have in your life. He wants to be number one in your life. Husbands and wives, love your wives. She has to be number one on this earth, but she has to be number two in your life. Wife has to be number two for your husband in your life. If God is not first, you've got it out of order. I said, if God is not first, you've got it out of order. God has to be first in everything because God said anything that is put before me is an idol in your life. So how many of you know that when you put God first and you spend time in prayer that God hears? Do you believe that, that prayer and fasting moves the heart of God? Anybody in here believe that? You know, well, let, let, let me get somebody to raise your hand again. I know it'll be a lot of you. How many of you have, have actually worked in Judgment Journey? Yeah, a lot of you. So we got a lot of we got a lot of new faces. I was just wondering how many. How many of you have been in the services here in October and November? And I don't even have to say anything for you to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, let me help you for those of you who haven't been here. October and November, there's a Holy Spirit of God that shows up in this place that moves mountains. There, there, there is a God that moves in here. I, I sat right there, and I have no idea why I was sitting right there because I never sit right there. I sat over there, but I sat right there and wept like a baby and sat there. Second year we did Judgment Journey, I thought, why am I crying? Wasn't nothing wrong, wasn't nothing hurting. Best I could tell everything was good. I was squalling like a baby. The power of God was so real in this place. Everybody in here was weeping, crying. Can, can, I, can I tell you why? See, see we, we're missing something. The power of God is not moving in here in October and November because we're doing Judgment Journey. The power of God is moving in here because of what we do to do Judgment Journey. You know why the power of God ain't the same in this October as it was in October 2019? Because we ain't had prayer meetings down there in the woods. We haven't done the walk the trails. We haven't done the men's breakfast prayer meetings. We haven't done all-night prayers. We haven't done a seven-day prayer where somebody signs up in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Somebody is in this church praying for souls to be saved. We haven't done any fasting. We've not come together in groups and scenes and prayed together in one accord. You know why the power of God ain't real in here now it's like October? Because it ain't real in us. We're not inviting the power of God. It's not real because we go down there in those woods. It's real because of what we do to prepare to go down there in those woods. We've been praying when God wouldn't give us a, a peace to do judgment journey. We had all these plans and all that we wanted to do, and we never could get any comfort. We've been praying ever since God is not judgment journey. Make it something. God, don't let us sit on the bench. God, this church has been working for years. We've been doing He's Alive for years. We've been doing Judgment Journey for years. Nearly 100,000 souls saved through it. God, give us something to do. Don't just let us sit on the sideline, but God showed me something finally. I've been looking for the wrong thing in the wrong place. I've been looking for us to do a work that we ain't ready to do. Oh, hello, is anybody coming back next Sunday? 
I've been looking for God to anoint us and appoint us to do a work to change this town with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we ain't ready. We ain't prepared ourselves. If it was judgment journey, man, we'd have shouted a house down this morning. But that's because for the last six weeks, we would have been praying our hearts out. We would have been fasting days and weeks, and the power of God would be on us, not because we're doing judgment journey, but because of what we did in preparations. We're not prepared to be used by God. Boy, howdy, it's sure to get quiet up in here. So I realized that if we're going to ask God to do something mighty and to move mountains and use us to change LaGrange, Troop County, West Georgia, East Alabama with the power of the gospel, we got to start where God says start. And it's in prayer and fasting. Prayer meeting last Tuesday morning, three people. Men's prayer meeting last Tuesday night. I announced it right here. Had all the men. I'm not casting a stone. I'm just being real. Seven men showed up. And we wonder why God's spirit isn't moving in our services. We wonder why God's not moving mountains. Let me tell you something. I understand being busy as well as anybody. And I understand that there are some people who could not be there for one reason or another at 7 o'clock for a men's prayer meeting. On Tuesday night. But I also understand with full certainty, more than seven could have. We, it's, it's called a choice. It's called priorities. And our priorities are out of place. God says, you want me to use you? You want to be a church that I can bless? You want to be a church that can move mountains and change the world? Be a church of prayer. Be a church of fasting. Be a church that builds a relationship with him. So here's what we're going to do. I talked with Pastor Tim Tidwell over at Oakside about an hour and a half this week. We were talking. We, we prayed together, did some things together. But, but we're going to do a fast, and possibly some other churches. I've, I've talked to another pastor and, and got a couple more that I'm going to talk to. There may be some others even join. But in all honesty, it, it doesn't really matter. That's good for the nation, but this is for us. I do know Oakside is, is doing this, and we're going to join with them. We're going to do a 40-day fast. We're going to start next Sunday, and we're going to fast until December the 5th. We're only going to take off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of Thanksgiving. And y'all looking at me like you lost your stinking mind. You think I'm fasting for 40 days. <laughs> you can look at me and tell I couldn't make it. Four days is a stretch. I'm starving to death. So nobody's got to fast 40 days. We're going to have a 40-day fast. But I am going to ask everybody in here to fast one of those. So there's a calendar. There's a black table on this near side wall. It's got Faith Baptist on it. There's a calendar. There, there are days X'd out in October, November, and December. The days with X's, that's not part of it. The days where there's nothing on there, it adds up to 40 days. Starting next Sunday, it goes all the way to the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Then you'll see three X's, and it'll pick up after Thanksgiving. It'll go to Sunday, December 5th. On Thanksgiving, I don't want anybody fasting. I want us, do it. I want us giving thanks. God's been good to us. Amen. So I'm not going to ask anybody to fast when we ought to be giving thanksgiving. Even the Feast of Weeks came to an end. The Passover came to an end. Everything came to an end when it was a time to eat. And I don't want to take out thanksgiving. But we'll finish up on December 5th. So what I'm going to ask you to do is to sign up on that calendar for one day. You can, you can do a three-day, a five-day, a seven-day, a ten-day. You can fast however long you want to. 
but I'm asking everybody in here and, and also out on live stream. I want you guys to participate in it. I know Pastor Glenn Morales um, over in Costa Rica watches, Pastor Eric and Woody in the Philippines. I know you guys watch a lot. Love to have your churches join us. We'll pray for our nation. You pray for yours. We'll pray for yours with you. If you'll pray for ours with us, God knows we need it. But I'm going to ask you, if you would, um, for those out on live stream and you, you can't be here, you can't sign up, I understand that. But you can participate in the fast. Just pick a day, any one of those days, starting next Sunday from then to December 5th. Um, also, I know there are some of you who go, man, I can't fast all day. Some of you diabetes, some... Um, some different treatments, chemo things that you, you do, kidney dialysis, a lot of things that you literally can't fast all day. God knows that. Do what you can. I want you to put your check on that page that you're going to be fasting on that day and you do what you can. So what I want you to do, I, I really, because the fast isn't about who's doing it, I don't want you to write your names on the calendar. Okay, does that make sense? I just want you to put a check mark on an open date. And when you go to that calendar to sign up for a day that I'm going to fast, I want you to put a check mark on that date. And if there's any open dates, try to see if you can pick one of those open dates so that all 40 days is full on somebody fasting for 40 days. If all 40 days are full, pick as many days as you want, however you want. You want to do every Monday, every Thursday, whatever you want to do, it doesn't matter. Just put a check mark on there so that we can make sure to know that somebody here and there is fasting. But here's what we're going to do. Anybody believe that our nation... Need somebody to stand in place and pray for it and fast. I want us to pray for our nation. Make that part of your prayer. And everybody understand fasting. Maybe we'll look at that next week. Fasting is depriving yourself of food. You're taking the time when you'd normally be eating lunch and you're finding a solitude place to pray. And it literally is pray without ceasing. It is going through your day in a oneness with God. And every time you feel a little bit hungry, which is going to be pretty often if you eat like I do, it reminds you to pray. Every time a stomach growls, pray. It's a little prayer. But it reminds you that during lunch and during dinner time and during times throughout the day to find some time and get along with God and pray earnestly. I know we spend at least an hour eating and, and maybe at dinner time, 45 minutes to an hour at all is involved. Use that time to pray earnestly for this country. Use that time to pray for this nation. Pray for this church. I want you to pray for Faith Baptist Church. I want you to pray for the church as a whole. The church is in trouble. I said the church is in trouble. And, and a lot of churches, there, there's more than 10,000 a year shutting the doors in America every year permanently, never to be opened again. We need to pray. The, the devil is on an all-out attack. Do, do you know, when I said nothing can stop you from prayer, do you know even the devil himself doesn't have the power to detain you from prayer? Hello? I said the devil himself does not have the power to detain you from prayer, to keep you from prayer. It truly moves mountains, touches the heart of God. So I'm going to ask if you would, Faith Baptist Church, you all agree that for 40 days, starting next Sunday, I was going to start it today, but I thought, man, Lord, have mercy. You got to have some time to just pray and prepare. I got to pray to get ready to fast. <laughs> if you know anything about it, you will too. I, I want you to spend a week in preparation, a week in practice this week, a week in prayer. May maybe get a small order of fries at Mickey D's instead of a large order and start practicing for it a little bit. And, and then pray and be thankful for the half that we got rather than I had to leave the other half out. 
Would we agree? Would we agree that the reason the service, the power of God in here is not the same as it was in October's past for 27 years is because we ain't prepared for it to be? I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. I, do you agree with that? It has nothing to do with what goes on down there. It has everything to do with what goes on in here before I ever get down there. And what we do, and the bottom line is we're just not prepared. Do you really want to be used by God? Do you want God to use this church to move mountains? Use this church to be a blessing to people, to reach the lost? Do you? Do you want God to use us as a church, as Faith Baptist Church? Then are we willing to commit ourselves to pray and to fast? I promise you this. If we hold up our end of the deal in God's Word, God will sure hold up His end of the deal. And I want to see what God will do with the church that will commit. I'm going to ask you this morning if you'd stand up. And, and I, I realize COVID's still an issue, so I'm not going to just say I want everybody down. But I will say if you're comfortable with the altar, I'm going to ask you to come down. Because we're going to pray for this church. Let, let me just, I just thought of this too, so I might as well go ahead and put it out. I need to make sure that we haven't forgotten. Don't think you're going to set out to do this and, and attacks aren't going to come your way. Two-thirds of the people just said, mm. Count me out. I was already worried about being hungry. You said about no attacks. Don't think, don't be naive to believe that you're going to step up and say, I'm going to step forth and do something for the glory of God and hell ain't coming after you. But do you believe that God's able to protect you and provide for you? And, and it is through whatever comes that he'll increase our faith. But, but don't think that you're going to set out. Judgment journey never came without trials and tribulations leading up to it. He's alive doesn't come without trials and tribulations leading up to it. That's because we begin to prepare ourselves for the service of the Lord, and the devil says, mm, 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 who is that? Who is that? No, try to make it hard on them. But I believe for the church that will stand up and do it, I believe God will use us mightily. I want to be used by God. I want this church to be used by God. I don't want Sunday morning to be an entertainment session. I want it to be a spiritual movement of the Holy Spirit where people come in here and lives are changed and sickness is healed and marriages are mended and, and prodigals are called home and lost souls are saved. I want it to be where the power of God does a work when we come together in this place. I'm going to ask you, those of you that would, the altar's open. I'm going to ask you to come to the altar and pray. If you want to put a mask on, if you want to stay where you are, you're certainly welcome to. I understand we still got some separation things in. Maybe you spread yourself out here. But I want us to prepare ourselves to pray. I want us to prepare ourselves to start a fast next Sunday. I want you to ask God, maybe even pray this morning, God, how many days would you have me to fast? Would you have me do one day a week for the four weeks? Or would you have me do three days in a row or seven days in a row? I, I don't know. It doesn't matter because it's not about what yours is. It's not about me. That's just between God and myself. Yours is between yourself and God. God, what would you have me to do? I, I just want to be used by you. I, I, I want to I feel your presence when I come in here. I, I want to I know that your power is there. Let me ask you before these guys sing. If there's anybody in here on live stream You've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and to save your soul, then you are not saved. He's the only way. There is no other way. He's the only name. 
but he's enough the way, the truth, and the life. But he said, no, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. We know we're sinners. Romans 3.23 tells us that we are, for all the sin comes short of the glory of God. But we also know that the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient to save souls. There's not a little magic poem that I get to hand to you and you get to repeat the poem and walk out the door and say, I got saved on that day in October, October, whatever it was, 15th something back at, at Faith Abbey's but but nothing ever changed in my life. It's not like that. You don't get to walk out here thinking you bought fire insurance today but not surrender your heart to God. If the Holy Spirit's really drawing you and you know you need to be saved and this morning you're willing to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I'm asking you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins and save my soul in the name of Jesus. You'll be willing to say, Lord, I, I want to surrender my life to you. I've been running long enough. I've been hiding long enough. I've been living in the world long enough. I want to be a child of God. And I'm asking you to save my soul. If you're, if you're willing to ask God in the seriousness and the trueness of heart, God is willing to save your soul. That's what Jesus Christ came for. It's a free gift. But if you don't reach out and take the gift, it'll do you no good. Is anybody this morning who never trusted Christ, today is the day. It's up to you to ask the Lord to save your soul on this day. You pray it in the name of Jesus. Go ahead, guys.